Hello, I'm Natalie from Genealogy Stories and welcome to Twice Removed, the show where we talk about everything history related. Hi there, I'd like to introduce my guest today, Michelle Leonard from Genes and Genealogy. Michelle is a DNA detective and a speaker. She's absolute DNA guru, so I can't wait for today's interview. Hi, Michelle. Hi, Natalie. How are you today? I'm good, thanks. I'd love to talk to you, Michelle, about how you um, how you got into family history. What started you uh, tracing your, presumably tracing your own family history? I'm guessing that. Oh, was yeah, absolutely. It's always your own that you start with, isn't it? Um, ah, several catalysts I have on that front. And, and it was from a young age, really, uh, because I, um, I sadly had no grandparents growing up. Uh, all of my grandparents had died either before I was born, in one case, 36 years before I was born. Right. And um, the, my maternal grandparents died when I was a baby um, within six weeks of each other. So I never had any grandparents. I never knew these uh, people who, who, you know, I came from. And as a young girl uh, at family get togethers, you would hear family talking about these people I could never meet. And that piqued my interest really. So I'd always been interested from an early age. And I think my dad was a major catalyst because he, he would tell a lot of family stories. You know, he would bring up the, the you know, that his, his relatives and he would tell stories about his, his mom and his dad and, and uh, you know, his aunts and uncles and different things. So that, that got me interested as well, but um, it, it's quite a long story this, so I'll condense it. <laughs> but um, when uh, my, my, my grandmother died 30 years before my, my grandfather and he stayed in the same house 30 years after her, and um, when he died, my dad and his siblings got together and um, sorted the house out. Um, and my dad, typical for my dad, he, he, he didn't take anything, even the stuff that was his. Um, he wasn't one for keeping things and hanging on to things, unlike us genealogists who are just generally hoarders. Um, and I include myself in that bracket. Um, and uh, yeah, so uh, at the time that my grandfather died, uh, a number of years before I was born, my uncle uh, took a box that happened to be my dad's uh, university books. Fast forward a few years and, and I'm now in existence and I'm a young girl and my uncle turns up at our house uh, with this box and uh, gives it to my dad saying, you know, these are your old uni books. They're nothing to do with me. I must have taken them when dad died. So my dad, you know, obviously takes a glance at it and they go up into our loft instead. <laughs> Fast forward another 10 years or so, and there's me and my mum clearing out our loft. And I come across this box of tatty old university books and being me and liking tatty old dusty books, I took them all out and had a look at everything in this box. And underneath all the books, I found this um, tatty plastic folder full of archaic photographs oh, wow. um, and I mean proper 1860s 70s <sighs> early 1900s onwards photographs card back the, the 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 whole shebang and I was just fascinated by this I couldn't I couldn't believe it I was like who are these people what is this I must have been about 15 at the time and I had been told by many of the older family members that remembered my grandmother who had died 36 years before I was born that I was her double, that I looked like her. And, and we only had this one old photograph of her. That was the only thing I'd ever seen. And I couldn't really see it. Um, uh, and as I was flicking through these uh, ar archaic photographs, I just sort of had a heart stopping moment looking at one, a family group shot. And there was a little girl in the middle um, in, a, in a sailor outfit, um, holding a posy of flowers. And I just went, wow, that's me. Oh, wow. And I knew instantly, that's her. That's my grandmother as a little girl. Oh, that's my great grandmother. That's my great grandfather. Oh my God, that's all her brothers. And within days, I was in the Mitchell Library here in Glasgow, cranking the microfiche, <laughs> looking at the 1891 census, um, which uh, was the latest one out at that point in time, trying to find all these people on the census. And that was me hooked from there on in. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not surprised that's amazing that's like it's genealogy gold isn't it it is it's just uh, it's amazing that had that these photographs a survived and b somehow ended up with me 
you know, um, desperate hope one day that I'll meet a distant cousin who'll say, oh, yes, I have an entire bag of photographs because I have so many. (laughs) I live in hope of letters or something because I don't have a single letter written by any of my ancestors or anything like that. I don't Um, think most of my ancestors could write. So (laughs) yeah, that's that's a good point, too. But I was just thinking, you know, maybe along the lines of my grandfather or my or, you know, somebody of that generation. um, I'm, I'm pretty certain that earlier generations uh like you uh would not have been able to 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 write either but yeah that's that's my kind of holy grail (laughs) and yes any more photographs i'm greedy for photographs always (laughs) yeah i don't blame you because losing not growing up without your grandparents it's you know it's it's really recent history isn't it i mean mine have been a a massive influence on me and and why funnily enough on why i love genealogy but yeah i can (laughs) can imagine that yeah Um, so what what led you from there to to delving into dna you've been doing it long before it became ah, you know, yes as it is today well that um that goes back to a major project I worked on which was uh the Fromel genealogy project Fromel is a little village in the north of France um and in 2007-2008 uh 250 uh World War I soldiers were found in a mass grave there it was the first mass grave to be found uh, since uh, the searches were stopped in the early 1920s. Um, uh, so it was a massive, massive find and a massive deal at the time. Remains are found on a regular basis in the countryside in France and Belgium, uh, but not 250, not mass graves in general. Uh, so this was something that the authorities had to talk about. and and. It was just at that time period where they could use DNA, so they decided to use DNA, and it was the first major project like that that ever used uh, DNA in that way, and DNA was used to try and identify the soldiers so they could get named graves, Um, and uh, it turned out, of course, that the men died during the Battle of Fromel, the 19th of July, to the 20th of July, 1916. And there were lists of all the men that had died in the battle, mainly Australian army soldiers, um, but also British army soldiers as well. Um, But most of the men that would have uh, reached the German lines, because it was the Germans that buried these men in a mass grave, um, would have been the Australian army soldiers, and that proved to be the case. Um, So we had, these lists existed But the key problem was it was over 90 years since this had happened. And while there was a blaze of publicity, uh, these lists were circulated to the media, uh, radio, television, news, newspapers, online, the whole shebang. How many family members were going to see that and come forward 90 plus years uh, down the line? It was a remote chance, really. And actually, the, the more research I did into it, the more occasions I found in which the family members of these men had been told their man died on the Somme, which was 50 miles away from Fromel, mm-hmm. but the Somme was well known. And it was easy to say to the family member, oh, he died in the Somme. And I even have one of my soldiers that I worked on, I even have a grave, there's even a gravestone that his parents put his name on their own gravestone with an inscription saying that he died on the Somme on the 19th of July, 1916. And, and it's it's not accurate, because, but that's what they were told. Um, anyway, long story, uh, I got involved with the project. Um, I started tracing the family members uh, of all of the Scottish soldiers who had died on Australian Scottish soldiers, English soldiers, Welsh soldiers. So uh, actually what what happened was uh, a group of people on the Great War Forum got together and uh, realized there was an issue with this and a genealogy program, uh, a genealogy project was born to proactively trace the family members of these men. And when I say family members, we're in many cases talking about really young men who had yet to marry or have children. So Oftentimes, the closest family members would be grand nieces and nephews and second cousins somewhat removed and things like that. So uh, these people often didn't even know this man ever existed unless they were avid genealogists like me, um, which is how I got involved in the first place, because one of my second cousins twice removed died at Fromel. Um, so 
but most family members wouldn't know that, wouldn't know their second cousin twice removed, uh, ever wouldn't know their name, wouldn't know they existed, and wouldn't spot them on this list and pick up the phone to the MOD and say, hey, I'll give you DNA um, to try and identify this man. Uh, so at this point in time, I really wasn't a DNA person at all. Um, I had always been uh, on the sort of arts side of things, English, uh, literature, history. That's what I did my MA degree in. Um, so I was a historian. Uh, you know, I was, a, I was interested in that side of things. And I did study the First World War to an extent uh, while at university. So I had that side of things. Uh, but DNA wasn't my thing. And I had never been a scientifically minded person. So I never thought that it would be my thing. Um, but in the course of this project, while I was tracking down all the family members and then putting them in touch with the MOD to offer their DNA, I had to learn who were the appropriate family members to test, who were the appropriate DNA donors. I had to learn about, at this point in time, we were just testing Y chromosome DNA and mitochondrial DNA. Um, so I had to learn about these different types of DNA and, and I had to learn a different way of doing the genealogies, the forward reconstruction of the trees, you know, just tracing forward the lines of the people who would have the same Y DNA as the soldier or the same mitochondrial DNA as the soldier. And so I immersed myself in learning all about DNA uh, at this time. And of course, this is kind of, you know, just before things really take off in uh, genetic genealogy, well, a number of years before really autosomal DNA takes off, but why DNA testing for commercial purposes was in existence by this point. Um, it just, it wasn't as mainstream um, as it was to become uh, just, in, just in the following case, years. Just in case anyone listening is not familiar, why, why DNA, am I right in thinking that is uh, DNA that's passed from male, you know, from father to son. Yes. To, to son yep. to son. So, so the why, it's, it's one of the gender defining chromosomes. So you have the Y chromosome and the X chromosome and uh, a, a father passes down a Y chromosome to a son. So it's a direct paternal line thing. It only passes from father to son, to, from father to son, et cetera, et cetera. Which is, um, which is great until the, the father's not the person that's on the birth certificate, presumably. Oh, yes, it is, yeah. <laughs> and, and, and of course, that is something that YDNA uh, finds um, on a reasonably regular basis. Yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, so, and, and actually at this point in time, the families have been given guidance on who to, tr who to trace because many times family members weren't of the appropriate donors themselves the closest family member might be a you know a living grandniece or something who doesn't have either the y or the mitochondrial dna of the soldier um so oftentimes these family members were giving this guidance on on who would be the appropriate tester and i read the guidance and realized that there were issues with it and it was leading people it was misleading people in some ways so i ended up writing my own dna guidance for the families and and you know i had to do an awful lot of research to 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 get to that point so basically from this I became really adept at understanding the inheritance patterns of DNA. And then when DNA became a big thing in genealogy, I was already kind of ahead of the curve, if you know what I mean. And I sort of jumped in first towards it because uh, I, I wasn't scared of it. I had gone through that Ooh, DNA, what's DNA and how do we, you know, I'd gone through all that with Bromel. So as, as soon as I, you know, I started seeing DNA tests started coming out with more frequency and becoming more popular for, for, for genealogy, um, I just uh, went straight for them and when wanted to, to work with them and, and, uh, and um, found it quite, quite, well, maybe not easy, but uh, easier to get to grips with it all uh, than say someone who's coming at it without that experience. Yeah, I mean, when I first did my DNA test, I found it, um, I would read things and I would understand them when I was reading them. But the problem is then I'd go away and I'd probably forget everything that I'd read and have to <laughs> have to relook. And the thing that I found the most difficult to, to, to keep in my head was that you could have, you know, that the, the that analogy that your DNA is like a pack of cards and you get half from your mum, half from your dad, shuffle it and then and then um, give you bits. And it, it, it was that idea that you're, you could have a cousin 
you know, some cousins don't match each other because you've not got the same bit, but you all lost. Yeah, that that whole thing. It is tough. It <laughs> Once is I got tough. my head around it and I'd seen enough examples of it, it clicked. But it, I had to keep rereading that analogy about the 52 card pack and about the randomness of inheritance for it to uh, to really sink in. Um, I think that's a really excellent point and it's something I say to people a lot because I'm I do a lot of teaching of how to use DNA for family history and it, I constantly tell people that you're not going to take ever and everything I've just said you know if you take in 10% of it and just you know cherry pick a few things to really understand well then you're you're doing well but rewatch reread repeat education on dna is the key and more than anything it's the practice it's seeing it in practice and what you said the more examples you saw the more it sort of got in your head the more it clicked um and i think that that's the case for the vast majority of people the yeah. theory is much more difficult to understand than when you're working on your dna test you're looking at your matches you're clicking through things you're reading things it just becomes easier the more you do that and the more webinars and books and blog posts and Facebook groups and all the rest of it that you get involved with and read and uh, you will take things in and eventually yeah. you'll think, oh, I, I, you know, I know a lot more than I think I know um, I, I from when I started. I agree. And I think even paper genealogy is the same, actually. I, I find Absolutely. that I can read yeah. something about how, you know, what records might exist, but it's not until I have a case where it's actually relevant to it and I'm I'm looking in them and I'm delving in them that 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 kind of memory sticks or, you know, yeah. It's a yeah, it's using a new website or a new record set, um, yeah. things that you haven't looked at before. Um, yeah, it's it's the actual practical getting your hands yeah. dirty aspect that that really uh brings things home and and helps you understand uh the best ways of going about things and trial and error lots of trial and error yeah so so of those 250 soldiers how many did you manage to identify so 169 at the moment have a name on their wow. grave that's incredible and it, it is still not over you know there's still there's a joint identification board that sits every year one did not sit this year for obvious reasons um but there's a joint identification board that sits every year and considers uh the newest cases and there's dna there's anthropological data involved you know things like um the height of the skeleton any artifacts that might have been found but dna is absolutely crucial for the Joint Identification Board to uh, allow a successful ID and to say, yes, that's, we, we are satisfied that that's that man and his grave can be changed to a named grave. Um, so yeah, and I mean, that's over a decade now that it's been yeah. ongoing. Yeah, that's incredible. But it's such, it's such an important piece of work as well, because I know, um, uh, I did a little bit of digging into three Pithers or Pither brothers that I found that had died during um, World War One when it was the um, hundred year anniversary when it was the centenary, and um, yeah, these these three brothers died very young during World War One, left two sisters behind who um, one of them married, but it was late in life, and neither of them had any children. And I always wondered what you know whether there was anyone else still surviving on the line and I did a little bit of digging around and then and then thought you know what I, I could be spending ages doing this so I just wrote the blog post about these three brothers and just did it in memory of them and then during lockdown was contacted by a, a cousin of theirs who um who knew all about them and who the story had the story of their deaths had passed on which was which was really lovely to hear um, and then she told me that the two sisters both lost fiancés as well so this whole family had just it's been tragic. yeah really really tragic but it, it was you know I was able to give her the research that I'd found which included photos of them so oh. um, it, it was nice to kind of lay them to rest in a way in a, in a strange way so no I think that's important no I know I completely 
Uh, I think that's a good way of putting it actually is, uh, you know, laying them to rest. I, I often say I did a lot, a lot of the soldiers that I worked on for the Formal Genealogy Project were um, Scottish soldiers from a, from, a, from a small battalion called the Highland Cyclist Battalion. Okay. Um, and many of them were very young men, some even underage, um, who, you know, there was one in particular that, that still gets me that, you know, he uh, signed up, you know, because he wanted a bike. Oh, God. A young boy who wanted to bike and um he ended up in the trenches in france and 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 uh you know lost his life tragically but um they were very fit young men and they had these you know humongously heavy bikes full of kit um and of course they were that was useless uh when they got to to the mud of the the trenches um but i i call them my hcb boys the highland cyclist battalion boys and um they're very close to my heart and I did an awful lot of work on 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 many of them and of course it's been all Australian army soldiers that have been identified none of my HCB boys have got a named grave however uh, it that doesn't upset me too much simply because I got in touch with family members some of whom didn't know they existed and others who did know they existed um and hadn't uh, been thinking of them in many years and this brought them back to life for them it brought them back into that living memory they were telling their children about them um and keeping that story alive um and i just think that it's so much more about remembrance than it is just about getting a name on a grave yeah yeah um, I agree. so those boys we didn't get the named grave but I think that would have been a cherry on top we got yeah. family members you know thinking about them framing photographs uh, downloading their CWGC certificate um, you know people remembering them and I think that that really um, was something I was really proud of yeah no I, I so you should be I think um do you um so you mentioned um uh, your Highlanders there and obviously you've got your lovely Scottish accent. Are you are you Scottish through and through? What's your what's your heritage? Ah, um I am Scottish and Irish and Scottish and Irish. <laughs> <laughs> and that's it. Uh, as far as I am aware, as far back as I can take every line in my tree, um, it's Scottish or Irish. Um, and it's, a, it, you know, it's a good mix of both. There's, you know, a, a higher percentage of Scottish than Irish, but a very significant uh, proportion of my ancestry is Irish. My paternal grandfather's lines are all Irish going back in time. So, um, yeah, I, I, you know, I'm Scottish myself, but I have a great affinity with Ireland as well. I don't, I don't actually know much about um, about the, the kind of mechanics of tracing Scottish genealogy. It's not something I've delved into yet. Um, but I know, I, I, you know, I've got some Irish lines myself and I've done some client Irish work. It can be really challenging because of the yeah, lack of yeah. records at times. So do, has DNA helped you with your um, with uncovering any brick walls or confirming people or? It certainly has. Yeah. I mean, I I have. I have Kelly's and I have Lennon's and I have really common Irish surnames <laughs> as well as really common Scottish ones as well, like Campbell. I have a lot. I have quite a, a reasonable amount of Highland ancestry uh, on my paternal grandmother's side. So I have Campbell's and McPherson's and Mackenzie's and Mackay's and and all of the, the different clan names uh, that, that people uh, associate with 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 Highland genealogy. Um, but on the Irish side of things, I was so often looking for needles in haystacks uh, and I would never have got anywhere with some of them without DNA, simply because it just was impossible, really. Uh, when you've got a very, very common Irish surname and, you know, they my most of my Irish ancestors pitch up in Scotland in the 1850s and 60s uh, post the Great Hunger. So you just know um, that, 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 they, that they've come over from Ireland to Scotland at a time when, you know, many millions of Irish uh, were leaving uh, Ireland. Um, and uh, mine, many of mine just happened to, to settle in Scotland and my particular lines remained, but many, many of my collateral lines emigrated all around the globe, um, most especially the United States, Canada, Australia, New Zealand, etc. Um, but when they come to Scotland, you've got the census returns, you've got everything for them in Scotland, you know, their marriages, their deaths, everything that you can find for them in Scotland. And in most cases, 
uh, you're just going to get Ireland. That's where they're from, Ireland. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing more specific than that. And yeah. that is, that's been my roadblock for years and years and years with, with most of my Irish lines. It's, it's just Ireland. Yeah. <laughs> and like, when you've got a Thomas Kelly and all you know is he came from Ireland, in yeah. probably and his age is all over the place in the census so he was probably born sometime between the early 1830s and the early 1840s <laughs> you're never going to get to the bottom of that and mm. then dna comes along and if you have enough patience with it and if you test enough people um maybe you'll get an answer like my kelly's came from a little village in Donegal, mm. and i now know that yeah. and I would never have that without DNA. My Lennons came from a little place in County Down. All I had for them were was Ireland. And in fact, that should be my surname, Lennon. That's my Y chromosome line, my direct ah, okay. line. <laughs> I've yet to do my Y. Uh, I've yet to, well, not mine, but ask my dad and my yes. grand. My granddad's, you know, my grandparents are both still alive. So um, okay. I've yet, but I've You're yet. You're so lucky. <laughs> I know I am very lucky my grandparents are in there uh, my grandparents on my dad's side are about to turn 90 mm. um, and uh, yeah I am incredibly lucky and I have DNA tested both of them so fantastic yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah I mean that's the you know that that's something that I hammer home to people is just test your older generation so long as they're willing and happy to do it yeah. then please please test them uh because it just gives you so much more to work with than testing yourself no definitely um, I, I tested my when i tested my nan i was quite um surprised to discover that her um her mum um so basically so her mum is obviously my great grandmother um but the man that's on her birth certificate so my great great grandfather um is definitely not her her father um so i found this this group of matches that that were far too close um to be anything else other than on her paternal line and um, so that was quite surprising i don't know whether she i don't know whether she knew or not because my nan tells me this odd story about how she has a sister and they looked really alike but they weren't really um but they weren't really sisters and i'm looking at it thinking well they were sisters but I'm wondering whether that's got muddled with this story and maybe they're half sisters yeah it's interesting but I was but I, so but I'm not I'm not sure whether she knew or not but it was it was I was quite surprised when I did you it. did um, you tell her did you go oh yeah yeah I've told my now my yeah. name it, it kind of went over her head <laughs> <laughs> she was a bit like all right she's not that interested so I mean my mum tries um and she has a vague interest but i can see that she glazes over sometimes when i get into family history talk mode um yeah. and uh yeah my dad was the was was the one that that loved to hear about it and you know we would talk away about it and you know new discoveries that i made i would he would be my first port of call to tell yeah Sadly, I, lo I lost him a few years ago so um it's bittersweet when i make new discoveries especially on his side now especially on, on people that you know i think i'd just love to tell him or i'd love to show him this or i'd love him i'd love to find out what he remembers about these people and um but yeah it's it's so it's you know another one of those cliches about talking to your talking to your to, to your family members while you can but of course i mean i and i did i did lots and lots and lots of questioning of my dad <laughs> um over the years and i still all the time come across things where i think i wish i'd asked him that and i wish i'd asked him that and there's so many people who only get come to genealogy later in life and think oh i wish i'd asked my parents these things and you know i so it's one of those things that it's strange even although i spent most of my life asking questions of my dad about his family history i still think i didn't ask him nearly as many questions as i would like to now i can relate to that because i talk about that so my grandpa my, my nan isn't particularly interested in going further back in time but she does love to talk about the people that she knew and um distant cousins and things like that and um it would totally spoil the moment if I whipped out a notebook 
Um, so I, I am, I have got a cunning plan that maybe over Christmas, if if I can go up and see her to try and get her properly set up on Zoom, so I can record some calls. Recorded interviews um, would be fantastic. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, it's and been I think my it's bucket just... list for ages, and it just hasn't happened. Oh, in, definitely you know, do the it. Kids do are running it. around or whatever. <laughs> so yeah, it's on, it's on, it's yeah. on with you. So talking about DNA surprises, though. Um, mm -hmm. Obviously, I appreciate there are probably some surprises that you can't tell me about. But <laughs> can you can you share any um any of your more surprising finds? Yeah, I mean, obviously, I work on DNA surprises on a daily basis for clients. Um, uh, but yes, I have had uh you know major DNA surprises and for myself as well. Not in the sense that that I found any misattributed parentage events in my own lines um, with my DNA in the fam the DNA of the many family members that I've tested I am obsessed and test lots of people um, and, and that is the way that I have got to be so so experienced with it though is is all of these different tests that I've done and that I've worked on over all these years um, the more tests that you have uh, the the more things crop up um but but anyway i have managed to confirm you know that my lines more than more than i've found any uh um people uh, that genetically uh are not uh who they should be i've found that i have dna from all eight great grandparents 16 great great grandparents um but i have but i have had the other side of the coin where i've found close relatives who i didn't previously know existed yeah. Um, so, you know, they fit into my family um, because of adoptions, uh, but I, we didn't know they existed and they didn't know which family they fitted into <laughs> until they tested and uh, luckily matched uh, a massive pile of people uh, and there was no doubt as to how they fit. Um, I cannot imagine being adopted and doing my DNA test and uh you know to try and look into my heritage and then finding out that i'm genetically related to, to a dna expert who has got like who has tested it's like, a know, funny thing i mean family. one story i can tell is um a second cousin of mine and um i was actually doing ancestry hour <laughs> and i got a twitter message and uh you know, I just thought it was uh, an ancestry hour thing. And I looked at this Twitter message and I had literally been on ancestry, um, looking at my own DNA results, uh, just before ancestry hour for, for whatever reason. And I don't get that much time to look at my own. I'm usually looking at other people's. Um, but for some reason that day I was looking at my own and at near the end of ancestry hour, this, this Twitter message popped up and it was a message from, uh, uh someone in the United States who said that they'd just got their DNA results back and that I was one of their closest matches. And, you know, I was like, I don't have any new close matches. I was just on there an hour ago. Sure enough, go back to Ancestry and there's this new close-ish match. Um, and I was just like, wow, what's this? And he had been adopted and I, started looking at it because of all the people I've tested I very quickly narrowed things down to the right uh the right line and um within a day I was having a long zoom session with him explaining to him who his birth mother was right. and showing him photographs and uh telling him all about the family and uh, the and some of the information that that he had um being given uh was correct and it was the information that he had always thought would be incorrect and uh, some of the information that he'd been given was completely wrong and he had spent his life thinking that his heritage was one thing when it was Scottish and Irish <laughs> he, he had grown up thinking that it was Jewish okay. uh, so and then of course he tested and there was no no Jewish ethnicity whatsoever um, which was quite surprising but yeah um, uh, he's been absolutely lovely and it's uh, amazing to find family members like that and um, you know, if I, I know if anyone matches me, then 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 their their mystery shouldn't be too hard to solve because I've tested so many family members that um, uh, there's there's probably there's probably no way of uh, not working out uh, how a, a reasonably close first, second cousin or closer uh, would fit in uh, to yeah. my family. I mean, most of my interest in doing my DNA tests. Um, so I did mine and then I did my mum's and then I did my nan and granddad's. So I probably needn't have done mine but you know that's the way it started um and um I uh my key interest was that I've got 
quite a lot of ancestors that were illegitimate. So I think they say like on average, 5% of your tree is meant to be, is most likely, you know, known to be illegitimate. I reckon I just break the bank. And my <laughs> <laughs> More illegitimate than your average, uh, average tree. And some of those I'm, I'm still working to, um, to knock down those walls. But um, how successful do you think DNA can be for um, tackling brick walls that are, that are fairly far back? because obviously you get less and less matches I've, I've had some surprises where it has helped with things that have been sort of in the 1840s um which has been surprising I just wonder what your experience of that was yeah it is certainly possible I have cracked cases that that are at the second great-grandparent even third great-grandparent level it is a case of diminishing returns the further back in time you get the more difficult it becomes and the more you need a lot of different family members tested in the way I have because you're trying to build up the amount of DNA you have of the mystery person. Um, so sometimes you're not lucky enough to have that many descendants to test. Um, so there, there is luck involved. And of course, there's lots of luck involved in terms of who's in the databases, who's testing. Um, and it's, uh, but yeah, I mean, the key points for solving a further back mystery is fishing in all the ponds, as I call it, making sure you're in all of the different databases, because you just don't know where those matches that are on that mystery line might choose to test but it, I would never rule it out it certainly is possible it just it, it it's time consuming it takes a lot of work it can take a lot of testing um, but uh, with the right testing the right amount of effort um, and that bit of luck uh, it certainly is possible to get to answers or at least hypotheses one of the things I like about DNA is that you can take the test and explore it and then um, new matches come up, you know, periodically exactly. every now and again. Yeah. And sometimes you can put it to bed for a long time and then something new will pop up and it's you did nothing. It's just a little gift that kind of popped up. Somebody took a test and got in touch. But um, I certainly one of the things that surprised me in my when I did my DNA test was how interrelated some of. Um, so I didn't have like full on endogamy, but I did have. Um, neighbors that I found on the census and then I don't know they popped up in a newspaper record with my ancestors so I was curious about them and then when I looked at my DNA test I could find very very small amounts so we're talking like 20 centimorgans or something mm -hmm. um linked to somebody else along that family <laughs> so, <laughs> so it it kind of suggests that that you know there was quite a lot of interrelationships between communities and this was in um, Notting Hill in, in London, so not a small village. Um, yeah. You know, a lot of transient people as well. Yeah, I mean, you, um, you, you, you see it a lot more in rural settings, but um, yeah, I mean, it's uh, there certainly has been a lot of interrelatedness um, over the centuries. Um, and I think it's something that, that it can be difficult to deal with in DNA testing. Uh, endogamy, you know, in particular, of course, is, 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 is very uh, challenging. Uh, when you're trying to get to the bottom of a mystery and you've got endogamy uh, uh, skewing the picture, uh, shall we say, um, that is certainly uh, makes it a more difficult prospect uh, than without the endogamy. But, you know, I think most of us have some form of interrelatedness uh, issues that, that we'll see it's in some portion of our tree or a little bit of pedigree collapse. Um, I mean, I have, a, I have an uncle and a nephew who married a set of sisters. Uh, so mm -hmm. anyone who, who tests on that line, so I'm descended from the nephew and the sister. Um, so anyone descended from the uncle and the, sis the other sister um, shares more DNA with me because we have the, those two different relationships. Um, and several several descendants have tested, and it's easy to see that uh, that 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 sort of you know slightly higher amount of DNA than you would expect. Have you have you ever had anyone do any DNA test who's who's found a you know like a Danny Dyer moment that's found a kind of link to to something really? <laughs> Some kind a of daddy dire moment well i wouldn't i wouldn't it's certainly not royalty but i mean there there there, there are uh people who 
tests to try and prove links to aristocracy and the like and i have worked on cases like that um but you know oftentimes it's um stories in the family oh we're related to you know so and so famous person or um in my in my own family i've had many many different descendants of all of my different kelly lines tell me that we are related to grace kelly <laughs> i can find no link however all of these different family members all of these different third cousin lines who have never been in touch with each other all say the same thing that's really funny <laughs> but there there's there's no link as far back as i can take the these kelly lines uh so that the, there's things like that but and there's other people who you know the, but there was one case in particular and you do as a genealogist as a professional genealogist who hears the these things all the time you do get a bit cynical and if somebody says oh you know there's a there's a family story that we are related to so and so famous person or so and so earl or whatever uh you know as a professional genealogist you have to be professional but deep down you're sitting there thinking that's going to be a pile of <laughs> nonsense. That's just not going to be, that's not going to prove to be true. And in the vast majority of cases, these things don't prove to be true. Um, however, in, in one particular um, unknown parentage case I was working on, um, I was uh, trying to work, uh, I was trying to solve the mystery of an unknown father for a client. And um, there was a story uh, from the the, the the mother uh that um the the father the birth father uh was uh a close relative of uh a famous person a celebrity and of course i had my usual sort of cynical hat on thinking that's unlikely but hey you know let's see and as i was doing the research um, I decided just to make sure I built out the tree of the famous person and I looked at the trees that I was building for the DNA matches and there were correlations. And the thing that solved the case <laughs> was I bought the famous person's autobiography. It was a, this famous person has a very, a reasonably common surname. So. I was it was difficult to to, to trace certain aspects of uh, his um, there, there was something I wanted to know in particular about his father that I was hoping he, he he might talk about his parents in his autobiography there wasn't a great deal about family history in the autobiography <laughs> but there was this one paragraph that talked about the exact thing that I was looking for and it it basically proved the case for me so yes and, and actually the famous person was more closely related to the birth father than even the birth mother thought oh, okay. <laughs> so uh yeah sometimes it happens sometimes it's weird how these family legends get like passed along as well so i was always told that we had um blue blood and that the king of france had got a maid pregnant so this is really out there now um and that we were descended from that from that little baby um you know and uh when i was tracing my nan's side i came across this uh chap called uh william augustus de crespinet lovegrove and um, he was illegitimate oh, nice name de crespinet is quite unusual he'd spelt it about 50 billion different ways and <laughs> <laughs> um, eventually i managed to work out that the uh the father of this this chap was a um a reverend who um who was the son of a baron and the barons are champion de crespinet so they are of french origin and um i haven't completely proven it it's partly based on um old documents and i'd like to actually go back to the original sources and prove it if you, if you know what i mean other drawn up trees but yeah. it, apparently this this baronet family are meant to be descended from richard iii um, so the Plantagenet line. So uh, that was my, always my favourite Shakespeare play was Richard the First. So I'm <laughs> blaming it. <laughs> okay. Absolutely. Yeah. Funnily enough, I find the, I feel like I have the least connection to that line. So it's actually one that I haven't explored very much. I just he, yeah. he was clearly a bit of a cad, and um, I kind of don't like him very much. And I think that's kind of stopped me from actually there, exploring I mean, we, this. We barren. do. I think we do get attached, more attached to certain 
ancestors in certain lanes yeah, than, than we do others. It just <laughs> happens, you know. I mean, I've always had a bigger fascination with certain lanes on my tree than I have others. And sometimes I can't explain exactly why um, I'm more uh, drawn to that line than others. But um, I think it's, 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 it's just something that happens when yeah, it's you really engage odd, in it? genealogy and, and family history. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's, it's odd, really, yeah. It is really odd because sometimes it's not even that they did anything more interesting. Like I, I really, really love my London lot that were just labourers and brick labourers in London. I think, yeah, I think my lot were coal miners and bakers and, you know, yeah. um, uh, nothing fancy. Um, but at the same time, they still fascinate me, you know, their lives and, and how they lived them and, and what they lived through. Um, that fascinates me as to, as to, you know, what my ancestors went through. Um, I have, you know, a particular affinity to the period of the First World War um, because of uh, not just from L, but I've done, you know, other work on other uh, First World War, War, First World War. <laughs> soldier cases and the like and I just I'm always drawn to that time period and my family members in that time period and um you know uh, my my paternal grandmother's uh, line I have a I, I have a uh, she had an aunt um who lost her husband in the first world war and uh then went on to lose both her sons in the second world war and I just my heart just totally goes out to 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 this woman and and I think about her quite often and what she endured through that tumultuous time period and um she's not my direct ancestor but uh she just means a lot to me because I it's just mind-boggling the losses that she endured I know I can relate to that I am um... I, always, I think one of the reasons why I don't like this barren line is because I just think of poor Jane, who was a servant, age 16, pregnant with a 40-year-old man's employment. You know, it's not a pleasant yeah. situation. And I just think, oh, poor Jane. But it was obviously important to her because she passed this surname down mm. uh, as a middle name. And I've since got in touch through partly through DNA with um, distant cousins. And they've all been told, you know, almost the same story as I have about this, you know, link to France and royalty. And so it was obviously something important that she passed along. Um, but yeah, no, I, I, don't, I definitely get the whole thing about um, feeling particularly connected to, to certain ancestors. Do you, have you got a favourite, do you think? You've got someone you always end up going back to? It's probably my grandmother. So yeah. just because she died 36 years before I was born and because I never really got to meet many people that even knew her. And for a very, very long time, I only had that one photograph of her. And it was sort of one of those weird colorized photographs where someone had drawn a necklace on her. And um, yeah, I was just always endlessly fascinated by her and by being told that I was like her and yeah. um, just stories about her. And my dad, he, he lost his mum when he was 20. She, she died quite young and um, he idolized her. You know, you would see his, you know, she was gone 60, 70 years. And at the mention of her, his eyes would light up, literally light up. And I think that my dad has passed that to me, you know, that, that, that feeling for my grandmother who, you know, um, maybe if I knew her, I wouldn't have liked her, who knows, but it's just one of those things that I have this endless fascination with her and her life. And, you know, it was quite sad in, in many respects because of ill health. She had heart disease and she died in her forties. Um, you know, she had a lot of children, um, um, several of whom died young and, and, um, you know, she, she had a tough time and, um, but. To my dad, she was a she was superwoman. She was a superhero, you know. And um, I do think that you can that you can pass down feelings for people um, through your experiences of those of those people. And I think my dad did that with his mum to me by telling me about her and just by his love for her.
I love that because uh, and also even if you if you don't have your own children I think um you know I, I know a few genealogists on Twitter who said we're I'm the end of my line you know I haven't had any children and I don't know who I'm exactly I'm going to pass my uh genealogy on but I love sharing it with friends I love telling people about um yeah. you know the ancestors that mean a lot to me and and people will remember bits of that even if it's not their own family history so I think it's a great way of sharing memories that aren't really your own memories if that makes yeah, sense absolutely but I think that you know memory memory is 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 such an important thing and it doesn't need to be your own memory um for you to be able to share it um you know I share lots of stories from uh different family members that I wasn't there um and I know that you know there are probably elements of these stories that are have been you know uh, uh, messed up over the years or embellished or you know all sorts of different things may have happened to them but I enjoy telling them and keeping them alive um, you know because I'm you know sort of the designated family historian but it's not just that it's just I, I just I feel a responsibility and I take joy in making sure that these stories are told and that uh, you know they're not forgotten even though they're not my stories, but um, I guess they become your stories when the people that have passed them to you are no longer there to tell them themselves. I think that's really lovely, Pert. Um, actually, this leads on quite well to the question that I always wrap up with. So this is the last question. Everyone seems to be always thrown by this a little bit as well. Okay. Um, so what would you say to somebody who was sat on the fence about um, looking into their family history, perhaps doing a DNA test. Um, you know, they're just worried that they're, they're, they're just kind of thinking, well, my ancestors didn't do anything. We don't have any family history stories that have passed on. They were probably just boring. Um, is there anything, because I do hear that. I hear that from friends. Oh, I've, yeah. I've always thought, I'd, you know, I've been curious, but I, I didn't, you know, I'm pretty sure my lot were just laborers. And I think, no. And it's just, so. just I hate that word. Yeah. You know, banish that word. That, you know, there's no such thing as just laborers or just coal miners or just bakers or any of these different occupations that my ancestors um, engaged in. They were human beings. They lived through different times. You know, we might find photographs of them. We might find they were in the newspapers. We might find they did something naughty. We might find them in prison registers. We might find, uh, you know, they they grew marrows. I have a I have a, a great grandfather who's in the newspaper for growing a massive marrow. I love that. You got it from Michelle here first. Trace your family you know, tree. Because you trace your family tree sister. because you might find somebody grew large vegetables. But seriously, on, on a serious note, and that's not very serious, but on a serious note, never discount what your family history might tell you never think it's boring because they're just this or just that or they were poor or they couldn't read and write or they you know had low level occupations or you know they did it just doesn't know you know there are there there are people out out there uh, earning heaps of money there are famous people there are royalty there's all the are we nobodies? Are we not interesting now in the modern day uh, because uh, we we are not, you know, earning millions or we're not in the front page of the newspaper or, are, you know, maybe we are boring, but I like to think that, you know, most of us uh, have a story to tell in one way or another and all of our ancestors certainly do. You know, you, you could find all sorts um, if you go looking in the right places. Um, you know, the, just a plain, the, you want to start with that, of course, but just plain birth, marriage, death, census records are only going to tell you the bare facts. They're not going to tell you that, you know, they liked growing large vegetables. They're not going to tell you um, that they, you know, went to the war. Uh, they're not going to tell you that uh, what the house they lived in was like. Um, they're not going to tell you a lot of different things that you might get from other records. And that especially by talking to your older relatives and trying to garner the stories of your family as well. You know, always make sure you, you know, you've got a bit of a pinch of salt at hand because, you know, family stories will uh, have uh, errors and embellishments, but that's half the fun. Okay, I think that's 
perfect place to close thank you very much for coming along you're very welcome nice to talk to you natalie if you enjoyed this video don't forget to hit subscribe or visit me at www.genealogystories.co.uk